Awake in the Dream Radio with Laura Eisenhower and Dr. Dream. Raising your frequency and expanding your consciousness one guest at a time. Welcome, everyone. You have found your way to Awake in the Dream Radio, and today is Tuesday, March 5th in the wonderful year 2013. I am your co-host this evening, Dr. Dream, and my sacred union partner and life partner and just one of the most amazing people I've ever met ever is our other co-host. Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight. And thank you for your sweet words, Dr. Dream. You just really, my gosh. Well, you know, so, it's not it's it's not been an easy uh, week for us since uh, since our last broadcast, has it? No, it really hasn't been that easy. But now we're kind of on the other side of it, feeling uh, a lot better than we did before. There was just a lot of anxiety surrounding, of course. Uh, people might have heard about our dog who uh, – Actually, you, 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 you talk about it because this, this dog has been in your life for so long, and it's just the most amazing dog ever. It's been in my life for about two years, and I can't get over this animal. So share, you know, what's been happening. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here looking at him right now. He's He's got these great big brown eyes. His name is Jake. He's been with my and myself since um, for over eight years, and um I got back Tuesday night, and he had um, eaten something um, out of the trash or on a walk or something like that, and um, he he was obviously sick. Now, he's done this before, but he's been able to pass whenever it is, so we had a lot of hope that that would happen, but um, things just steadily got worse, which... I mean, you know, it's one thing when, like, Maya or the boys get sick, they're, you know, teenagers, and they can say, oh, I'm not feeling well, and oh, thank you for the soup, I feel better, and oh, I love you, mommy or daddy, or, you know, whatever it is, but, I mean, this poor dog, and going through so much, ended up having three and a half hours of surgery, including getting eight teeth pulled, so in, incision on in on his tummy, um, his intestine, and then eight teeth pulled to boot. I mean, it was just like you just put him through the paces for sure, not to mention what it did to us. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just been really intense. So anybody who has an animal can completely understand. And I think those who don't are just like maybe a little bit confused how people can get so absorbed. And like, but I mean, my gosh, there's nothing like pets and animals. I mean, period. And just nature and just the beauty and innocence that, that holds, um, you know, really just affects a person so deeply. And I've just found with all the animals I've had in my life, you know, when they've not been in my life anymore, it's taken me quite some time to get over it. I'm always amazed at the depth of my attachment and love. Um, so, yeah, this has just been, been, been a lot, but he's pulling through. He's just incredible. This dog has a heart and just an energy like no other I've ever met. And uh, it's just really showing um, in just the way he just – is able to tolerate so much and still maintain, you know, this happy disposition and just totally affectionate and just really strong. So 
I think it's that unconditionality of um, the animals that are in our lives, um, and it it it's just. I don't even know what to say, but I'm, I'm literally, I'm just looking at his eyes right now. He laid down on the bed and he's just, he, that we've set up here in the office because we've, you know, actually adjusted our entire life in the last week to, to really be present with him. We postponed appointments and sessions and um, just really the, the main thing. It, it, it's interesting how, um, you know, we get so caught up and you and I have so much going on and just the pressures of, being a human and then in addition to that sort of the the pressures of being a human that's tapped into their mission and um it's amazing how one little thing can just one little thing i mean he got really sick but how that just allowed us in that moment to drop everything and focus solely on him and family yeah yeah and i think you know that was there's some hidden uh, meaning behind how this kind of manifests because Nature is always seeking balance. I mean, and when we're tapped into natural organic forces, you know, there, there's just going to be things that bring thing, you know, bring life into balance if we can perceive it as such and not fall into stress or despair, but, you know, really trust the flow of everything happening and utilize the wisdom of the moment in order to gain the most from it so that whatever is showing up can resolve itself that much quicker. So that's really what we've been able to do because we've embraced it. We've held a positive energy and, um, yeah, so lots of crazy energies this week, period. Uh, we've got, like, six planets in Pisces or something like that. It's just, like, <laughs> my goodness. So are you ready to dive into our astrological forecast for the week? Yeah, and, and I'm going to take, you know, just I'm going to share a little bit, and then we can touch upon just sort of where that's been showing up um, for our clients and for others. But, yeah, really, um, this is an intense week. There's a lot going on in Pisces, and its connection to Saturn and Pluto and everything like that. Again, after the last couple of weeks, I've been saying almost the same thing because the same planetary aspects are showing up, but they're increasing um, in their momentum and intensity as far as being able to anchor the dream, um, you know, our goals, our wishes, just the authenticity of who we are as spiritual beings. We have such an, a, an opportunity to really ground it and, like, move away all the stuff that gets in the way. And it really has more to do with beliefs and emotional woundings and that kind of stuff that needs clearing more than anything else. Um, because the Piscean energy is, is, is water. I mean, it's a water sign. And so a lot can be lodged in our unconscious that our emotional bodies are holding, that our physical bodies will manifest as a symptom. So it's almost like the tides out and all the rocks and all the stuff that is usually underneath water is revealing itself. And it's our chance to look at it and uh, see it for what it is and then work on it because, uh, you know, it's all just sort of coming out. And people will also probably feel a lot of elation and a lot of, you know, spiritual energy and a lot of boosts of that energy. And it's just important to make sure that, you know, one stays in the heart and that they don't get all ego-driven about it because um, that's an easy tendency is when we're starting to feel good, we identify with it so much that, you know, we don't know how to deal if things shift. So it's important to be in the heart because it allows one to be flexible because we're going to be having these ebbs and flows and, you know, some highs and lows, and we, we need to hold that neutral ground. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot to share, but before I, you know, share any more, any thoughts about how, uh, I mean, I know we've talked about the dog, but besides uh, that, are you feeling um, a lot of this sort of Piscean energy? I know you've got some planets in the 12th house, 
And I think your sun is next to Neptune. So, And that's what's showing up right now is the sun being so close to Neptune on top of the fact that, like I said, all these planets are in Pisces. You know, here's, here's what I love about the astrology. You know, most weeks it it almost creates a little bit of anxiety. It's like, oh, my God, really? We're headed into that this week? Don't we get a break? I love what you just said about how it's like low tide and all the rocks and everything are, are exposed because I'm thinking high tide, you know, I've been banging my foot and <laughs> my knee against all these hidden rocks. So I'm <laughs> hoping that means it's going to make it a little easier. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I think at times it can feel really haunting and overwhelming, especially if people have been lodging a lot in their unconscious or pushing a lot under the carpet or somewhat in denial about what's happening on the planet or just maybe their own personal experiences that they haven't really looked at that are still playing out as projections or, you know, unconscious fears that can cripple a person. So on that level, I think it can be really difficult. But in those times of difficulty and adversity, that's when, you know, we really have an opportunity to say, hey, let's change the game. And with Pisces being so fluid and being water, this is a time where it's not just about looking at it and freaking out. It's about taking the reins and saying, all right, time to clear this and realign, recenter, find wisdom and acceptance and forgiveness or whatever one needs to do to come to terms with some of the stuff that they're seeing and how reality might be mirroring it back um, to just really create some immense breakthroughs. Um, and because Pluto and Saturn are involved, this is really about how it feeds the world power, how we are letting the heart power be the new paradigm energy of authority, you know, natural law, cosmic law, heart energy and integrity, rather than false power structures, government. And that's why we're seeing people like the Queen and the Pope um, up against uh, some legal uh, predicaments, um, because their stuff is being exposed, and lots of stuff is being exposed. So this is a chance for everything to kind of come clean, and, and then it's up to us to decide what we're going to do with it. And hopefully enough people on this planet are empowered to steered in the right direction because we're dealing with the collective here. We're not just individuals, but of course our individual destiny does not, I don't feel, rely completely on the collective. So, Right, and that's a good point. So tell us, do we, do we have some more coming up? That we yeah, we've got started to scratch more. the surface there. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, today um, we have a conjunction with Chiron, I believe, uh, let's see, today's what, the 5th? Uh-huh. Yeah, so a lot of healing on a heart level. Uh, there's Venus making a connection with that. So, you know, just a chance to give oneself self-love. I think often we look outside of ourselves to just feel supported, to feel validated, to feel some sense of security. Um, you know, that feeling of aloneness can creep up and uh, cause a bit of panic. So the wounded healer, which is Chiron, is always about looking at where those who give a lot and those who are, you know, majorly in service to others – you know, feel a certain amount of distress where their needs aren't being met, you know, where the, the, the tank might feel kind of empty because it's all going out everywhere but the self. So today is a good day to just kick back and say, what about me? Yes, it's time for me. No, it's not selfish. And really uh, go into, um, you know, some, some deep validation and just appreciation of just who we are and how far we've come. Um, now, like I said, Saturn and Pluto are going to be playing a part. Uh, Mercury is going to be stepping in. So the mind is want, going to want to align later in this week as all the stuff is coming up with the breakthroughs. You know, the mind doesn't want to go back into the old sort of beliefs anymore and needs to recognize maybe some of the transformational work that's been taking place. So, you know, 
one will feel it, but the mind might say, no, probably nothing's happened. Maybe, you know, things are probably the same. Or the same stuff is showing up and that feeling of doom or futility might show. Uh, but really recognize that, you know, our minds just don't need to play that tape over and over. You know, we can really own that huge strides have been made and we can start to feel a little bit more inventive and creative with it rather than, you know, stuck in the same stuff. So the mind is going to show up and probably cause some discomfort until we allow that to join with the rest of the soul processing and heart, love, giving. And, you know, so the mind is the final frontier, and that's where we're the most controlled. So by the end of the week, you know, the last of the hard stuff is going to show up through the mental energy. So just be sure to clear that as we're clearing all this other stuff um, so that when we go out there in reality, um, we're not being triggered in the same way. We're, we're feeling more um, like we, we've got more conscious control. And, and part of that is allowing ourselves to not feel the need to be in so much control, to be more uh, just kind of in surrender and trust. Mm. Nice. If that made any sense. It's just very multidimensional right now and uh, lots um, of processing. And, you know, the mind can get so overwhelmed, but eventually it just has to rise and just say, you know what, maybe we've done a lot. Maybe it's time for a break. And uh, I'm sure, you know, next week there's going to be more plunging happening. So, you know, just be easy <laughs> on yourself. It's, a, it's, it's important to get a lot of rest, especially with a lot of Piscean energy. It can be very reclusive and escapist and just needing to be alone and recharge. Just, you know, don't allow that to turn into addiction or isolation or loneliness when really spirit energy is so available to make us feel so whole and complete on the inside and that we can really just feel that we can fall back on our own personal selves um, and feel a lot of fulfillment without the need for, you know, a lot of people around. I mean, that's a, an important lesson for all of us is to feel more self-reliant and more secure when nothing else makes sense. Wow. <clears throat> a lot to be ready for. I'm just, <laughs> just like, I'm still trying to get on solid footing from, from the last week. And so it does feel a little bit overwhelming. I mean, when we were putting our newsletter together this week, um, it seemed like the forecast was a more in-depth or a, you know, certainly it took more space um, in the newsletter. I was like, oh, wow, there's going to be a lot to, to watch out for. But I love it because yeah. it, it keeps us, you know, really focused on it, it. It makes it a lot easier for me because when I do hit that, um, you know, bump in the road or what could actually be a very deep sinkhole, um, you know, at least I have an idea that that might be happening during the week. And, and so these, these forecasts really, really help quite a bit. Oh, that's awesome. I, I think they definitely help prepare us. And, you know, it's just important to remember what matters most. Love, you know, just trusting the flow of the universe and how abundant it is and how taken care of we are. And it's really just about our self-worth and recognizing that, you know, attaching it to the stuff that doesn't cost money will help us deal with the times where we don't have a whole lot of money <laughs> or like we're feeling kind of pushed over the edge of stress because of, you know, the sort of lower density requirements to uh, stay afloat. Right. And so that's, um, yeah, we're definitely feeling that having just spent $2,700 on um, on veterinary bills. <laughs> and so, uh that's just a nice part of the illusion that I'm not going to own too much of uh, where's that coming from and, and uh, all of that. But it, but it's all good. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Ah, so we've got um, we've got a really exciting show tonight. And, we absolutely um, do. Yeah, I I think we should just uh, we should just dive right in. 
now? Well, it is my honor truly to introduce tonight um, Inelia Benz. Uh, this is Inelia's first incarnation on any planet. So she was born free from self-importance, attachments, personal agendas, personal evolution, or a desire for soul advancement. I find this absolutely fascinating. I love it. She arrived knowing only that the planet needed to vibrate at a higher level in order to undergo a global ascension. And what she did not know was how to assist in raising the vibration and how to communicate the need for a higher vibration to others. And so we're going to find out tonight about what her process has been, um, what she's learned along the way, and um, I'm just absolutely thrilled uh, to have you on the show tonight. Inelia, are you there with us? Yes, so thank you so much to both of you for inviting me. I've been really looking forward to, to chatting with you. I know we've arranged this quite a while back, and I'm so glad that today is here and we can finally talk. Oh, yes, we're so excited, too. And then we have this uh, Cosmic Reunion event with you coming up, so this is excellent. Um, I'm going to go into the first question here. Now, you've talked about the realization of never incarnating on Earth before. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about when you first had this realization and what it was like as a child growing up as you were awakening to this and what your mission here on Earth is? Yeah, the, I didn't quite know as such, not with words, not consciously. That came much later when I was starting to investigate the, the appearance of um, being able to tap into somebody else lifeline and seeing various different lifetimes within this planet and others and different dimensions in certain cases and not being able to see that in myself and for a long time I, I was reluctant to even try and find it. It just felt like um, quote wrong unquote right. It didn't resonate um, but then I did go in and started investigating a bit further and I was in my mid-twenties I think when I finally saw that the issue was that I, as a soul construct or identity, uh, um, apart from the body, because the body has had other incarnations here and a whole evolutionary process, but myself as a being didn't. And um, once I saw that, it just made complete sense. And that's when I realized the differences that appeared to be from myself and what I see basically as other individuals things of importance or meaning or uh, missions, how different it was and why that was, was because I didn't have that trajectory, either in the past or in the future. How interesting. This is, I, I'm, I'm so fascinated by this. And so, um, like owning this, this energy from obviously a very early age, um, share with us, what it was what it was like for you you know until uh, leading up to a few years ago when the mission really um you know presented itself mm. <laughs> well it has always been there in my entire life i've been kind of uh, assisting individuals or helping them out of the thickness of vibration to raise their own personal vibrations I've worked with individuals that came into my life, people who uh, were leaders in themselves, and um, so that it was 
basically really working in the background. But I honestly didn't know how this came about. The information, as you know, can be tapped into for each individual and you can tell them how things can go for them, right? Not everybody listens, but sometimes it's difficult or even impossible for somebody to hear things. And um, But as a very young child, I had no idea, no idea how to go about it. I remember once observing my mother, who had been badly tortured after a fascist uh, dictatorship in Chile had come into power, and she was in a lot of pain. But this was like a year or two later, and she was in a, still in a lot of pain, right? And she kept these bundles of pain within her field. Her, her physical body had them, and her uh, emotional body had them. And I couldn't understand why she just couldn't pick them up and just remove them, right? <laughs> And um, so I, I went in and I thought, oh, well, you know, one of the things we could do perhaps is if I could take the pain uh, of everybody on the planet, all of those kind of uh, bundles of energy that are, are hurtful and painful, and put them into myself, then, of course, everything on the planet will race because it will be gone from everybody else. And, of course, I got a little taste of what that was like, and it nearly killed me. <laughs> so that wasn't a very practical idea at all. Um, so, yeah, I've been trying all sorts of different things, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a really long journey of uh, understanding what an, other individuals who have been here several lifetimes or have had incarnation or evolutionary um, journeys are going through. And also tapping into the wealth of information of all the individuals uh, in the past, I don't know, 100 years or so, the people who are still alive, of course, um, who have come from different planets and different dimensions. And that has been really good to get good uh, first-hand information of how to improve things here. Hmm. Now, are you aware uh, when you meet people or come into contact with people what planets or dimensions they're from? If the person is has tapped into it already, whether unconsciously or consciously, then yes, it's very easy to see. If um, sometimes they haven't even seen it, but unconsciously it's very, very right in front of them, right? So the the life is trying to really show them uh, where they came from originally and stuff. As a soul person, because of course their physical bodies are terrestrial; they're made of matter from Gaia. And the joining of the two, this whole construct and their body, makes them human beings, right? So they're never really <laughs> from elsewhere, although I have met a couple of individuals who were not from this planet originally. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So can you give us an assessment of where you feel humanity is in present time and what your thoughts are about where we are in the ascension process? Um. At the present time, we're going through, like, one was, uh, how could I describe it best? I suppose the birth canal, um, birthing the new paradigm within our own, because it, the paradigm really is not a location or a time, in time or space. It's really a construct, something that comes from within. And as a society or as a human collective, we're in a period of time where Everything is dissolving from the old in a very, very gradual, slow manner. And the new is coming into being through individuals who decide themselves to wake up and improve their lives. However, the the transition period 
can be perceived as extremely painful or chaotic and filled with fear. We also have the other side, of course, of the individuals who really are resisting going through the shift because for them it's a matter of survival, really. They can't really survive in a high vibrational environment. So for them it's life or death and they're really kicking and screaming and giving all they can so that at the moment on the planet at a collective level it's not a very comfortable or easy place to be if you're in any way sensitive or empathic um, at an emotional mental level. Hmm. Now, uh, your website is ascension101.com. Um, I, I, I know probably all of our listeners have certainly some concept of their own of ascension, but I would love to hear uh, your concept of ascension mm -hmm. and then also, well, no, I'll follow up if I need to after that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and that ties in with uh, Laura's first question as well. It's like um, the, our state of ascension. Ascension to me is an expansion of awareness. It's very, very simple. Um, as we expand our awareness, we're able to see, perceive, and know more than we are capable of at a lower perceptional level. A very typical example that I like to give is, for example, if the person is in a deep depression, they see very little. They see darkness all around and they feel like they're in a, in a dark pit, you know, they can't get out. And often they don't see their environment, so their house is messy or you know, they don't look after their physical body because they don't even see it. Um, they don't see or perceive other individuals or their realities or needs or or even interactions. So that's a very very a very shallow and very narrow awareness field because the vibration is so low. As soon as they raise their vibration, they may, for example, go into contentment or or even just instead of depression and happiness. And um, their perception grows. So all of a sudden, they have a look around and they see that the room is messy, and then they might tidy it up. Um, or they start going outside the door, go to the stores, and they are able to see other individuals. So their perception grows that little bit more. And therefore, every time we do something that raises our vibrational level, we're able to perceive uh, more and more. And it's the same with also with communication with Gaia, with plants, with animals. Uh, the more we're open to that, to perceive or to accept that communication, the more we're ascended, basically. And I see this journey of um, human collective uh, ascension to be one where we are able to perceive all of the other individuals on the planet as equals and also able to contact them at an experiential level uh, telepathically, if you might you might think of as well, uh, anytime we want, right? With with permission, of course. <laughs> mm -hmm. So and also the perception and the knowing that we create our own reality, whether um, it's this three D reality or a fifth dimensional reality or a tenth dimensional reality, we actually create it ourselves. But also, but of course, the perception of that reality has to be there as well. Right. Now, it, just let me ask. I know that um, lo there there are, uh, I mean, so many different ideas of, of ascension out there, and 
and what happens. Here we've got 7 billion-plus beings on this planet. Um, we've heard a lot about two different paths, sort of a breaking mm-hmm. off. Um, and so from your perspective, um, is this the like the 100th monkey um, where a certain number reach this expanded consciousness and it shifts for everyone, or is there going to be a split uh, for the collective? Like you mentioned, I think the split has already happened. I perceived it in, um, I think it was August 2011, uh, when the energies actually, or the decision was taken to split humanity as such into two different camps so that free will wouldn't be broken. Because... as a positive thing and enslavement and lack of awareness to be a negative thing. But it's actually just um, vibrations, right? Levels of vibrations and perception. And there are many, many individuals on this planet who really are not ready to become fully aware and want to continue having an experience which is extremely limited for whatever reasons. I have no idea what the reasons might be. It might be entertainment. It might be growth. It might be all sorts of different things, uh, or because they just haven't finished, right? Or the feeling that they haven't finished. So that, in order for that that free will not to be broken, when we do reach, and we will reach as a species, that hundredth monkey effect, um, they will be sort of sheltered in that, in like a negative cloud, so that they won't be forced to make the jump to be able to become more aware. Okay. Mm. So, Perfect. what are your thoughts about um, like extraterrestrial presence here on Earth? You know, like malevolent forces, not necessarily the. I mean, maybe just your perspective on both good and bad extraterrestrials, and what sort of uh, role they play, and uh, on both the positive and negative level. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interest and also a lot of investment by both camps on our species and on the planet. So um, everybody's working extremely hard, I think, to keep their numbers high. So you would have the negative entities, or what we might call negative, because their uh, their basic building block is a very low vibrational energy, which we would often experience as fear uh, as a human being, which is not natural to the human species. And had. Um, and they have a lot of investment here, and they're trying to get as many... Um, people onto their, to stay with them as, as they can. So they will do everything possible and uh, invest time, energy, and technologies in order to continue that um, by supporting certain aspects of our own society, our own creation. And then there's the other side, which is the ones that came in who also have a lot of investment to do the ascension process, right? To make us graduate as a um, low vibrational species into a higher vibrational, more aware species. Uh, because we are extremely powerful. We have gifts that others don't. Um, manifestation, for example, um, moving, all sorts of different things. But um, And for us, as a, this huge number of individuals are going to make that jump, including the planet, which means we're going to be aware of other species um, at a very kind of experiential and physical level 
uh, as well. And it's like, you know, we're going to be conscious of our neighborhood type thing, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, and it's like giving the cousins a hand, as it were, you know, it's like we're p- coming out of the m- m- pool of mud and um, if we need it or if we request it, they can and are there and very willing to give us a hand and in collaboration because part of it is that we have to put ourselves out of this matter, otherwise we don't graduate, each individual as well as as well as as, as a collective. But they're very willing to throw us a rope. <laughs> That's awesome. So um <clears throat> speak to us of the programs or the programming um that are affecting the collective now and as we are more in the energy of expanding our consciousness, how we can break from those programmings. Mm, yeah, the programs. There's um, the most in-your-face program that's being played every single day throughout the media is that of fear. So it's to not so much a program. Well, actually, it's kind of a program because it triggers us, right? It triggers us to react in fear. And um, it's that of loss, you know, fear of loss, fear of loss of jobs, financial stability, fear of uh, loss of life, um, and all sorts of that different fears. I mean, that plays out in just about every radio program, uh, in the mainstream media, and every TV show, everything around, with very few exceptions, will play that over and over again to get people to lower their vibration. And um, also the program that's extremely distracting and played again in music and um, media everywhere is the concentration of attention on sex and um, sexual desire, sexual um, being admired, um, you know, beauty and all that type of thing. It's a program that's extremely distracting um, in a in higher level or people who have awakened to a certain degree. It's still playing out as the program of finding my soulmate, for example, or yeah, the one or twin souls and stuff like that. But it's still the same program. It's still very distracting, and if um, it's it's funny because. When one thinks of it in those in that type of perspective, when we move away from that program, you are really able to then really honestly connect with somebody else. It's like a catch twenty two type thing, right? Um, but the the dropping of the illusion, the dropping of the dream or the fairy tale, is that's the hardest program to drop, I think. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> What are your thoughts about the continual spraying of chemtrails and some of these, you know, agendas to chip us and dumb us down even more? And, you know, how can we counteract all that? Because it seems to still be playing out, even though there's a split in consciousness, you know, in the physical reality, these things are still kind of knocking on our door sort of as these looming threats. What are, what are your thoughts about all that? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that, actually, because it's one of those pet hates that I have, <laughs> Like I look up and go, oh my God, they're at it again, you know. Um, but then when I look at it from another perspective, I know for a fact that nothing that's happening on the planet right now has not been approved 
by our human collective. Everything is as it should be, as it were. And we have manifested these um, as it, like negative entities or people, right? The, the people who are trying to dumb us down or chip us and everything else. We have manifested them as a society. And uh, there's you can see how much effort there's billions and billions and billions of dollars being invested in all these technologies, including the polluting of our food and our water and our physical bodies through vaccinations and other means to dumb us down, like you said. And um, it's because it's a battle for them. You know, it's a battle of survival. And the result is people are still waking up, you know. It's just not stopping it. It's like trying to stop a tsunami. You can't, you know, with a, I don't know, with a spoon or something. <laughs> but they will try it. They will try absolutely everything. And I can assure you for the next, I don't know, a year and or two years, or maybe a little bit longer, it might even get worse, you know, from their perspective, because for them it's life or death. So they're going to throw everything they have at us, everything. And um, it's just a matter of going through that. So I'm, what I said, you know, like the birth canal type thing, when a child is being born, that birth canal um, trajectory is exceedingly painful for both the child and the mother. Um, and um, it's just one of those things, you know, it's like uh, it's, it's what's going to separate us uh, at a at a physical, very, very experiential level from those who really do not want to move on. And, um, I mean, if you really look at it, our, our whole nature is one of light love. Everybody recognizes that and aspires to it. You know, illumination, when people talk about reaching nirvana or illumination, they talk about bliss and light love. That's our building block. That's our essence, right? Because that just means you go back to your essence. So keeping oneself in a very thick, dark um, experience of life takes a lot of effort. You know, you have to drink a lot, you know, take a lot of poisons into your body, take drugs, watch a lot of TV. That's a lot of hours. You know, it's a lot of money. <laughs> Mm. And um, it's been done, you know, it's been done by millions of people out of their free will. Yeah. So, I know what what is the what are we to do as the collective? I mean, you know, we watch people getting like really, um, really triggered in like the deepest ways by Monsanto and by mm. um you know the, the all the huge corporations and the 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 raping and pillaging of Gaia for petroleum and and all of this so is there an aspect about standing up and making a stand about it or is it more along the lines of just um finding ourselves in our individual love space and having that radiate out as opposed to adding any anger, resentment, frustration to the vibration that comes from each of us. Yeah, I think you have a really good point there because whenever you stand against something, you give it power, right? Right. And the the anger and the frustration and even the vibration of Gaia is a victim, you're making Gaia a victim, you're strengthening that vibration. So what I tell people is it's very simple. It's very simple steps you can take. Um, first of all, process all the triggers. Right, I have a you have a processing 
formula. Look around and find one that works for you and process fear, first of all, because most of these are based on fear and then frustration, anger, uh, all the lower vibrations and then move out of judgment. Right? You move out of judgment. Once you move out of judgment and really see the big picture, you will be able then to go out, take a banner uh, or go out and go into politics and change things at a very physical, practical level much, much more effectively than if you're coming from a place of anger or fear, right? Um, so it's not about not doing, but it's where are you doing from that really makes a huge difference, huge difference. For me personally, for example, I look at chemtrails, yeah, my first reaction is one of annoyance, right? I get really annoyed and upset because, oh gosh, you know, we're still at it, you know, why are we so backwards, why are we so insane as a species, you know, and all these frustrations. But when I start processing all those emotions, I go back to that sense of uh, non-judgment, right, because I understand why it's happening. And I also know 100% that I do not consent to it, okay? So I then go out and do calls to action and different things in my own way, which will be actions based on non-judgment, but also by not consenting to what's happening, right? Not agreeing to it, mm-hmm. and giving alternatives and giving solutions. Excellent. So, uh, some thoughts about patriarchy. Do you feel things are coming into more balance? And uh, what what sort of advice can you give individuals in order to overcome some of these archetypal imprints that have been passed down to us that seem to keep, you know, the sexes. Uh, you know, out of whack. <laughs> right, yeah. Patriarchy, that's a big one. <laughs> um, I was recently in Ecuador and um, a few days ago, actually. But, and I, you could really see in a different kind of world, as it were, a different reality that they live there, um, how much patriarchy and religion are tied together, right? And it's, Often, and many individuals have said, you know, it's up to Western women to really move forth and give birth to this new reality, right, which is not going to be a patriarchal reality. Um, What can we do at a very practical level? One of the first things I would do would be to really um, educate ourselves on what it really is. How are we... um, subscribing to patriarchy in our own lives, right? Even the concept of, for example, finding the right man (laughs) for a woman or finding the right woman for a man is laced with patriarchal programming. So it could be uh, the right woman would be, you know, have certain um, physical characteristics, you know, like a, a supermodel or something. And all these type of things are, are really fed through a patriarchal spectrum and for the woman, the man, you know, provider or whatever. So, and also education, what a person is capable of or what she or he really feels can go and do um, is also laced very much in those programs. So one of the first things I would do would be to really look into what we consider to be reality or natural or normal in our behavior, even if it's at home, it's at work, um, the things that we want to do in life, and see, is there any 
programs here that are subscribed to patriarchy, right? Have a really have a look really good look and then unplug from it. And if you one of the books that I would suggest reading about patriarchy would be unplugged from unplugging from the patriarchy by Lucia Rene, which is a fabulous um, book that look, this was written years ago. It was way ahead of its time and talks about all the stuff that's going on today, right? Which is really brilliant. Oh, so wonderful. yeah, I would read that book for sure. And um, but yeah, it's it's a matter of being having the intention first of all, and then having that intention of being shown by by um, all those things that we synchronistic events and quote coincidences unquote and all these type of things to show us very clearly where are we still uh, subscribing to it or giving power to that uh, matrix so that we can um, uh, remove it from our field. Right, and what's the author's name one more time? The the author is Lucia Rene. Oh, wonderful! Thank you. Yeah, Lucia Rene. Unplugged from the Patriarchy is the book. So, um, give us an idea of. Um, oh, actually, I'm going to hold off on that question. Here's really what I want to know. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to something you did um, uh, not not so long ago, recently, um, where you you spoke about. Um, Pulling in an expert, if we're not an, an expert light being to assist us, that if we're not um, really ready for something and we don't have the tools in that moment, um, that that you have this um, practical sort of exercise that we can do to call in energies to help us. Um, I really love this. So I, I thought it'd be nice uh, to share with our listeners. Yeah, it's actually so simple and it's very practical. I mean, you don't have to just use it for really amazingly, um, you know, uh, career or mission <laughs> things, you know. The example that I gave, and maybe it's the one that you heard too, was um, I was, I was, it was a few years ago now, um, and um, I wanted to cook Christmas dinner for my family and extended family, which is a lot of people. And I'd never done it before. <laughs> and I'm not particularly expert in the kitchen either. And then I started hearing from all these individuals that I was crazy, you know, and like it's so hard and difficult to get the turkey just right and all these other trimmings and things. And and I wanted to do like the really traditional British um, Christmas dinner because that's where I grew up. I grew up in England. And... <laughs> And then I thought, okay, so I, what I'll do is I'll just uh, request for guides for my entourage. I call them my entourage, you know, the the, the amount, the, the beings or the energies from other dimensions and even other planets who are with us to support us and to collaborate with us in our what we're doing here on the planet, right? I call them the entourage and I put out a call and I said, I need some really, really expert chef to come and help me uh, make this meal because I have no idea what I'm doing, and um, and then I knew that it was going to happen. I just knew it, right? And then the the, the day came. It was Christmas Day, and I was walking out by them about six o'clock in the morning, told to take the turkey out of the fridge, and and it went on the entire day. Now put the the, the vegetables here. You have to put them for so long. I take them out because otherwise they will be cooked. And and oh my God, <laughs> when we sat down, and I was told it was going to be ready to eat at four o'clock, right? <laughs> and um, four o'clock came, and then the father-in-law came and, and carved the turkey and everything. And he was amazing. Everything was just totally, totally amazing. Like some professional cook had made it, right? And of course they had. I was just like a 
<laughs> following following instructions in the kitchen. Um, and yeah, it's a, so it's a very, very practical, practical thing. You can use it when you're learning a new skill. Say, for example, you want to learn a musical instrument, you can call in a musician or various musicians. If you're painting, you can call in uh, famous artists. Um, if you have to give a speech, you know, you can call in really, really good speakers. If you want to write a song, you can call in your favorite songwriters. You know, it's like it's like that, and they can really come in. It's better not to like name. I want such and such. You know, I want John Lennon to come and help me with my song. It's better not to do that because <laughs> they might be really busy. Um, but just calling somebody, for example, I want a songwriter who is really high vibrational, and and I want to write a song about, um, I don't know, raising the vibrational level of the planet. So can they come in, please? And then you sit down, and sure enough, you know, things come through. So, yeah, I would say uh, that's one of the methods. And, of course, you can open yourself to attract physical individuals to help you with stuff as well, right? And then all these coincidences and synchronistic events will happen so that you have those individuals in your life. Now, when when you go through this process and you call in these energies, there's um, a certain amount of... I mean, you really need to be aware and have discernment because is there a possibility you'd call in an energy that maybe wouldn't be out to assisting you in serving your highest self? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a definite possibility. So if if you are in that state where you are afraid that might happen, it will probably happen because fear <laughs> is the doorway, right? <laughs> to that entry point. It's a, an entry point. So the first thing I would do is process the fear that you have about attracting dark entities and then making a statement an intention and remember that you are the creator right you're the navigator and you have the power of what happens in your life always always so put that intention in as an intent apart because this intention can change but an intent doesn't this is really solid an intent is solid so you intend only uh, beings of a certain vibrational level, and you can name it there, you know, um, a vibration that's like, an, uh, and then you can visualize it, you know, the type of vibration that you want. Only those type of beings are allowed in my field at any time for the rest of my life, right? And when I call these individuals, they have to be of a certain vibration, and you make that intent, and it cannot be broken. Mm-hmm. Right? You can change your mind and you can let them in at other points in life, but um, as soon as you get that intent again, it is, it is very, very solid. This is one of the things that I'm so impressed with you about is that um, everything's so practical. I mean, I've watched other videos. I saw you in the hotel room in <laughs> yeah. um, Ecuador cleaning, clearing the, the energetic space, and I, I, I'm just – it just really touches me how easy you make it for everyone because people just tend to think, oh, it's it's got to be hard and I've got to study this for years. And, and you just walk through this hotel room and, and you're clapping <laughs> and you're, you hear the sound of clapping. I, I just thought, how can anyone have an issue with that or say, oh, that takes too much work? I mean, it's really you're making it so easy for people to, to attach themselves to this. Right, and that was part of my goal, to, and it still is, and I'm continuously, every single day, I research stuff, you know, when I get information and I try it out and see, is this practical, is this easy to do, is this reachable to everybody, right? 
without any attachment to anything else. So that they, it's, it has to be extremely effective. One of my key words is effectiveness. You know, how effective is this, and how easy to reproduce by others is it? And if it doesn't pass those filters, I don't release it. Uh, I just, I love it. I, I just love it. And you're touching so many people with this. It's, it's just great. Yeah, absolutely. It's just awesome. The practical stuff is so important. Because, uh, you know, the information can be too much for the mind if there's not any, you know, solutions that are grounded. We, you know, people don't know what to do and they just think. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about some of your experiences throughout your life and just, you know, maybe the ones that have just, just have been the most unusual or unique or um, eye-opening or just anything that's really just put a major mark on your experience uh, that you draw upon for wisdom or just, you know, understanding about just everything that's happening? Um, wow, that's a really broad question. <laughs> I just see how much you've gone through in your life, and I know that's right. so broad, but maybe um, just in exploring and investigating what the dark side is doing on the planet and just how you might have been in touch with some of those forces yourself? Oh, right, yeah. Well, you know, um, for me, I don't make any difference between working with or collaborating with a light being or a dark being. The dark beings collaborate in a very different way than light beings. They're going to battle. They want to destroy you, right? Um, because for them, it's, it's, that's, their, that's their reality. That's the only levels of engagement that they have is to go in and become more powerful than another through through subjecting them to or subjugating them, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that's their reality. It's a very um, pyramid-like. There's a, a top person um, or being, and then everybody else comes below them, and they scratch and crunch, scramble, and they kill each other together. Right? It's, it's very brutal. And when one engages, or they try to engage uh, me, for example, I'm, I'm talking personally here, um, they engage at that level. right? And they don't see it as a collaborative uh, work as it were as uh, as it would be with somebody who is awakened and wants to um, ascend as it were um, so when they engage at that level it used to be before the shift happened which was in August uh, what I perceived was in August 2011 I was able to go in there and do battle and it was um, it was harsh and it was for somebody who has um, warrior genetic material is a lot of fun, um, but then it, the shift came and that level of engagement was no longer an uh, an option, right? Because it's like extremely low vibrational. Why were they engaged at that level in the past? Because it was the only way to get them to focus or attention or to engage. Once they're engaged, the line there's an energy line, a currency or a chi between the two individuals or two groups of people, right? And through that line, then the higher vibrations can travel, right? Like love or source energy can travel and kind of infect the other person and being, yeah? So that's why that was allowed before that the shift happened. But after that, it was because of the free will and everything, it was a different level of engagement. And it's changed in that, and for me it has been quite difficult, it's changed in that, uh, now, when they try to engage at that level, there's no longer an uh, an engagement at that level. 
the only thing to do is simply to stand in source energy, to stand in one's essence, the pure essence that makes us, all of us, and basically turn and look at them, right? We simply look at them and we make that statement. This is the level of engagement um, that I'm uh, ready to have with you, yeah? And then you ask them, who are you and what are you? And more often than not, they will, they're not that they will go away because they they can't stand that that level of engagement is for them is exceedingly painful yeah vibration higher higher vibration would be like fire to them it, it hurts so a lot of them would then shift and go away but um and i think that was that would be the major thing that's happened in the past few years and and it's happening also at a very physical level right when it's also very practical, you know, if I'm driving in the street, you know, and somebody cuts cuts in and nearly crashes into my car or whatever, I would have beeped up them and called them swear words and stuck my finger up at them and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but even at that level, I have to be conscious now of moving through that reaction, right, of emotional reaction. Um, processing all that, and because it's based on fear, you know, you're afraid they were going to crash you, and then also you feel violated because they went into your space. And uh, move through that, and going to the other level of engagement, right, where you just look at them with that, with that, with the other vibration, and it's hard, you know, at a practical level, it's really difficult sometimes to do that. But I think it's really, really important because as we move through life, each of us who are awake um, at a very conscious level and making conscious decisions of how we respond rather than react, even if something doesn't seem to be important, we start shifting. It's, it's like ripples of vibration that go out and infect other people all around us. And it really has a huge effect. Mm. <laughs> I love this. I really love this. I'm I'm particularly get excited when you talk about um, the each of us as the creator. Um, what are the limits or boundaries to our individual experience as the creator self? Well, the boundaries really are set by ourselves, um, whether consciously or unconsciously. We set those boundaries up, right? There, in reality, there are no boundaries. In reality, the entire physical universe, as well as the social universe that we exist in and as human beings, or even uh, the individuals who have genetic material from other races, whether it be Anunnaki or Grey or Palladian or Syrian or whatever, um, the, that reality is, even at a physical genetic level, is extremely pliable. It's extremely pliable. But it can only become so at a physical or experiential level when we are aware of it and when we raise our vibration enough so that we can make it happen. And that's, I think, is one of the reasons why young people, the new generations, the tiny kids, are able to manifest so much quicker than um, older people. Yeah? One of the reasons is that they have less programs and less boundaries, so they're able to just go like that, you know, see if I can do it with my fingers. And it's there, you know. Um, so, yeah, the boundaries, I think. And then people 
think, oh, well, you know, if, if people can teleport anywhere they want, they immediately go into fear. Well, I don't want people materializing in my bedroom, you know, and I don't want people tapping into my thoughts if everybody becomes telepathic all of a sudden. And I have private thoughts, I have secrets. I mean, I don't want anybody to tap into those, you know, and things like that. So those are boundaries we set for others, right? And yeah, the boundaries also are set by our etiquette and um, social customs, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the, your clearing your wealth lines and what, what that's all about? Yeah, that was a, a teleconference I gave. And basically what it boils down to is that everything is energy. Everything is about our relationship with other things and other people. And wealth lines, what I call wealth lines, are the lines of current, current, chi, right? That's what we call it, currency at a um, monetary level, are going out of us and into other people or organizations and into us from other people and organizations. And when we think of it that way, chi is current, currency, like a river, you know, like the current of a river, Um then we can really identify and tap into the ikiyaki stuff or any negative programs that we might have there and really clear well, that's what it is it's clearing identifying what uh what lines are extremely resonant and which are, are very dissonant and clearing them up so and also building new ones so that we are open at a very uh, manifesting level, open to receive um, the support and the wealth that is actually unlimited in our reality. It's only limited by our own creation, obviously. So it's, it's literally unlimited and thus have a much more comfortable and empowered capacity to affect the world and the planet. Because somebody who has $10 billion is able to affect at a very physical level a lot more than somebody who doesn't have enough to eat that day. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. Mm. So I know you speak of um, clearing quite a bit in, in terms of uh, relation to triggers and to programs. Um and again, I just love how you bring things down to a common denominator that makes makes everything so easy for people to understand. Take us through a process of of how we would clear a trigger or how we would clear a program once we've identified it. Yeah, and it's, actually, you don't even have to identify it as such. You just have to locate it. So, for example, um, if we think about uh, something that makes us afraid or we have to First of all, identify whether it's our personal fear or whether it's a physical fear, right? So the big one is fear of death, right? And mostly that fear, it's actually both the physical body and the self that's afraid of of death. So we have to do one before the other. And we will, in, in this sense, you know, like what I would say is, okay, so if you have a fear of death, and if you're not afraid of death, think about spiders or snakes <laughs> that you might be afraid of heights. Um, and then scan your physical body and your emotional body and your energy field to see where is this fear? Where is it? 
So for me, for example, um, I developed a fear of heights um, a while back. So I would find it. So I would imagine, for example, myself looking down at a really, it's not working right now because I've already processed it. So I'm trying to think of something that I might be afraid that I can give a really practical example. Um, Pain. I'm afraid of pain. Yeah, I hate pain, but there you go. So I would imagine, and that's a very physical fear. So I would imagine the fear and I would uh, scan my body and my physical and energetic and emotional body for this fear of pain. And I find it and right now I can sense it that it's in my back, in my upper back and towards my throat. And it's right there, right? And so I look at it and I tell it that it's welcome here. So fear of pain, you're welcome here. And and then I would allow that to exist. So pain, I allow you to exist. You're welcome here. And you just sit with that and allow it to express, which means for it to really exist, to really be there, to really vibrate it, all that it can. And if you can, make it grow. So let's see if I can make it bigger, not just in my back or wherever it is in your body, but see if it can encompass your entire body, you know, and allow it allow it to grow and allow it to be really big. And then as big as the room you're in, big as the house and building, as big as the city, as big as the world. And allow it to really, really fully express what does that mean. If it has, if it wants to express to you in pictures, words, meanings, um, situations or whatever, allow it to do so. But instead of analyzing it, you just thank it for the information it's giving you and say to it, you, I hear you, right? I'm hearing you. I can understand now. I can see it. Yeah. Rather than analyzing or trying to get rid of it, that's not going to work. So we just mm. acknowledge it, acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And and then we infuse it with light love. So you hug it. You just allow it to exist. You hug it and you will give it everything you've got there with light love. Um, and then rinse and repeat. <laughs> you know, sometimes one session won't do it. For me, I had a, a sphere of spiders and I had to do like about two weeks every day for two or three times a day for, for my physical body to get over it because it was so ingrained. It was so powerful, such a powerful program. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it can take more than one session. Sometimes it will go with one, you know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. But that would be the processing that I would I would suggest to do. And um, the full text for the fear processing exercises in my website and the tools section um, so you can go there and have a look at that but also if you change the word fear to anger you can do it to process anger if you change it to sadness you can do it to process sadness um, frustration you know and anything that is uh, negatively affecting you change the word to express that and you don't have to go into finding out where it came from or whatever. You just find it in your physical body and allow it to express. This is great advice, and it, it just goes perfectly with, um, you know, what we've what we've sort of touched on already um, earlier in the conversation about um, when you stand up to something, it's going to stand up to you. But when you embrace it, it has that's the transmutation or the alchemy of it. So I love how you're saying, um, you know, to to have to allow it and to sort of honor that it's there. Um, I, I I just think this is great. Right. Uh, um, 
my next question uh, really has to do with what life is going to be like for us after this window. Um, I mean, is it, um, in your languaging, is it appropriate to call it an ascension window? Basically, it's for the next few years. Is that right? Yeah, I was, when I was asked to go public, um, I was very reluctant. Uh, I'm not really a, a very comfortable in the public eye. You know, I prefer to be a hermit. Uh, and, um, but I was told it was only necessary into 2017. Right? So I thought, oh yeah, that's not very long at all. You know, it's like a, a tiny little piece of time, linear time space, right? So I thought, yeah, I can do it, you know? Um, and I'm pretty sure that the hundredth monkey effect will be reached in 2017. And that's why this, this was request was done until then. And my, um, my work as a, like a, a voice or a speaker for, um, the need to wake up or the tools of, uh, ascension and stuff will no longer be necessary or needed. So what does it look like after that? In, I mean, from your perspective, um, what what does it look like? Well, from my personal perspective, it doesn't look any different, right? Because the shift, even though when we are here living a human life, um, the shift is huge, right? And the differences are going to be huge too. Um, and look, looking from it at, from that perspective, the, the human life perspective, the difference will be in that more the majority of individuals will, will be able to tap into empowerment very quickly and easily after that. And um, the change that was going to happen from now until then is going to be very organic. So, for example, free uh, energy is going to become broad and accessible rather than secret and anybody who delves into it killed off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and different technologies and different modes of thinking will become the norm. It's so, so subtle and so organic that we might not even notice it, right? Because, for example, just this is a little example, the word karma 20 years ago was very little known. Nobody knew this word, right? And now everybody knows it. And supermarkets, anybody in the supermarket, you stop and say, do you know what karma is? And they'll tell you, give you a very valid definition of karma. And just a few years ago, the word manifestation um, was used for something that people went out into the street with banners, you know? And now manifestation is about creating your own reality. So, and it's, it's like it's always been that way, but it was only a few years ago that nobody knew about these things. Uh, very, very, very few people knew about them. So the, the the change will continue to be that that natural and soft. And that was the what I, I mean. It's really frustrating, you know, if you've been waiting lifetime after lifetime to have this shift that you have to wait a few more years and maybe a couple of generations for it to really, really gel, right? But in the linear time perspective, it's really quite short. And the change is very subtle and very small. It's still a physical reality. It's a lot more pliable, yes. But people are still going to be coming here to incarnate here to play very, very, I'd say, basic games, right? Basic games. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. So how, how is this all going to happen while we're sort of 
dealing with things like transhumanism agendas and things that really you know, immerse us more in technology, where it's being sort of seen as a scientific breakthrough that'll help us, um, when in actual fact it seems to be replacing our spiritual abilities. How can we best navigate how some of these things are going to be presented to us and, you know, how to help the collective, you know, make empowered choices? Because, you know, there's a strong victim consciousness here on this planet yeah. and that helplessness, and they want, you know, assistance so badly that they're easily manipulated and taken advantage of because, you know, it's it's hard to stand up against certain things and it's hard to also transmute it mm-hmm. um, when it's this much in your face. So any thoughts on just some of these sort of other realities we're, we're coping with? Yeah, the thing is, is the world is split and there will be millions upon millions of people going that way. Yeah. Right? And those technologies are necessary so they stay at that level of vibration otherwise they're going to be sucked into ascension against their will. Yeah. So, because one of the main things would be to move away from the victim-aggressor paradigm um, at a personal level, knowing that you cannot save them, <laughs> right? You can't save anybody. Nobody can be saved. Uh, they they can only make free will choices. You can show them the the facts and you can show them and you can make very public what's happening. And that's actually in both ways because you probably know that nothing can happen on the planet unless it's publicly announced, right? Mm-hmm. In some way or another, through film, through books, through uh, alternative media, whatever, everything has to be announced before it can be carried out. And people don't take a vote or don't um, don't say, I do not consent to this, then they're taken to have agreed to have that done to them, as it were. And um, to realize that each individual here on the planet right now as a human being, no matter what color creed, what level of ascension awareness, if they're dark light or gray or whatever, every single creature here on the planet is an, an eternal divine being who has a higher self, who is uh, navigating their life for them, right, with them. So for us to think we know better and that they shouldn't have those things happen to them, that's really arrogant in our part, you know. And we really need to look at it and say, okay, you know, but I, I'm, me personally, I'm still feeling that I want to give them the information. Right? I want them to hear it or see it or at least be aware of it. And whether they take it then or not, that's up to them, right? Mm-hmm. Because my responsibility, my ability to respond is goes as much as giving them the information and showing them what's going on. And after that, it has to be up to them to choose to stay asleep or to wake up a little and say no. Yes. Yeah? That's great. Anelia, I need a little bit of, um, a little bit of clarity on something. When you talk about the world split, so that would be those that have chosen ascension and those that have not. Mm-hmm. In, in in practical terms, what does that look like? I mean, if there's someone from my family that's so deep in the program, so needing to continue to have the, the 3D world experience or mm-hmm. whatever we want to call it, what how how does it look to me and then how does it look to them after um, 2017 or after this window or do we just kind of float apart and not have that much contact? What 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 happens? Well, the contact's already gone. You both live in a very different reality already. Yeah. 
what this person, man or woman, sees you is completely different to who you really are. And they will most likely be uh, an individual who is highly indoctrinated, whether in a religion or media or drugs, um, pharmaceuticals or, or whatever, right? Um, and it's it's already happening. It's happening all over the planet. People are no longer seeing each other, even though they're kind of sharing a kind of physical reality that's common to both individuals, the life they're leading is completely and utterly different. Completely and utterly different. And what they see as reality is completely different too. And what they're capable of doing in that reality is also very, very different. I so resonate. Yeah, it's excellent. So my my question is, um, you know, have have I think people are really confused about the extraterrestrial presence, um, mm-hmm. particularly the reptilians. Uh, what are your thoughts about you know faked invasions or the fact that we've been invaded you know thousands and thousands of years ago and there already is a extraterrestrial presence on Earth that's majorly happening in underground bases as far as you know them gonna they're gonna be coming to the surface eventually uh, for a takeover. Um, how real do you think some of these concerns are, and what are your thoughts about some of the history or just the reptilians in general? Mm. Yeah, the reptilians are really interesting to me too. They're obviously not all reptilians are made equal. There's uh, branches of reptilians which are extremely, extremely hostile to human life, and there's others who are not, right? And the one might even say some who are disinterested, but they have other concerns on about the planet. Mm-hmm. Now, when we think about some of these um, that I have seen, not even the physical, but I have tapped into their collective consciousness, uh, the the biggest um, shock I had was that some of them actually are original uh, Earth people, right? Then they're original from here; they're not from elsewhere. And they were the original um, earthlings, as it were. And they're extremely concerned with Gaia. So, of course, they're going to be very upset about what's happening with the human race because of what the human race has done. <laughs> yeah, And they wouldn't blink an eye uh, about eliminating every human being on the planet. But, of course, they're not allowed as such to do that. And because they follow certain protocols which is uh, listening to the what Gaia as a planet, because it's a conscious being, and the human collective as well, because it's extremely large, as well as their own collective, um, what what's designed or what the process is that's happening on the planet. Now, there are others who are extremely hostile, and they're very, they live or they're kind of vampiric in nature, so they live in a very um, fear-based, uh, reality and they trigger fear in humans so that they can then vampirize the energy from human beings. You know, and as I say all this, you know, it's like, yeah, um, like it's like it's like something that you everybody knows, <laughs> right? So I, because I honestly don't know how much people are aware of or how much they have tapped into, and sometimes we tap into one of them and not see the others. But yeah, I mean, I I did have one. Um, Scene where there was a, uh, an underground base where there were some human um, experiments happening at the first level. It was extremely, it was a wall of suffering and fear and 
confusion from all these creatures that were being generated through with human DNA and other types of DNA it was quite horrendous. But what shocked and surprised me was that the people doing those experiments was that were actually human beings. Now the technology they were using was reptilian, but the people making the the experiments were humans, and the reptilians actually didn't, apart from telling them how to use the machines or the technology, were disgusted. Was quite disgusted about what was, what the humans were doing, right? Um, at the brutality of it. Um, mm. And um, they did exist below that level, like further down into the into the base, but they had extremely little contact with the humans there because they considered them to be, you know, below intelligence, smelly, and brutal. Mm. Yeah. Right. What What about the like the shape shifting reptilians? Up, you know, people like David Icke, you know, talk about the royal family and all the different rituals that go on, and. Um, you know where, where where that might fit in, or or even if not that, just what is there extraterrestrial of a malevolent force behind the chemtrail agendas and some of these? Yeah, as I say so, but it's also a collaborative enterprise, right? Mm-hmm. There's humans who are willing and wanting to have this happen as well, and uh, they can't really do anything without the human collaboration at some level. Uh, so. Yeah, but it's quite irrelevant if you think about it, because whether they're human or whether they're alien or whatever, we have generated them as a collective. They're all connected. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I agree. Well, thank you. So I have a practical, uh, back to my practical questions. (laughs) Uh, I have a holistic healing practice here in Ventura, California, and I get... um, quite a broad range of uh, of clients but um i would be th- this question is about asking for advice for those beings that are in a belief system that includes conventional medications for depression manic behaviors and um as an example bipolar dispositions what's your mm. what's your take on this yeah it's it's actually quite sad because one of the things that happens when these malfunctions of the physical body or um, chemical imbalances um, happen, and it's not always that way, right? I mean, some of these conditions are simply that people are awake and then they have to be drugged to to make them uh, sleep again, right? <laughs> and I've seen that. I've seen that because I had a friend who went into a sanitarium uh, um, at a hospital for the mentally disturbed, and when I went to see him there, I met more than one individual who was extremely psychic, yeah, and they were just drugged down so that they wouldn't be able to be aware of everything that was happening anymore. It was um, put there by their parents or their church or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, the conventional, uh, I think Prozac, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was Prozac, that is, the majority of the chemical in Prozac was fluoride. Um, I can't remember which of the I think it was Prozac, but I can't 100% sure because I haven't actually looked at a packet of Prozac and had a look at the ingredients. Um, so, yeah, it's all these drugs are being handed out like candy for two reasons. One of them, the more people who are on them, the more lower the lower the vibrational of uh, level of vibration of the human collective is going to be. Secondly, it's a huge money-making enterprise, right? If you cure people, 
you lose your customers. But if you keep them drugged um, and unable to make themselves better, then you have you make a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Now, with uh, people who have uh, bipolar disorder and other disorders, for example, it's for me personally, I've never met one who is able to um, overcome it. Yeah, I have somebody who I know very well who who's bipolar, and he has had to stay in pharmaceutical medication in order to have a stable life. Uh, even though when he's occasionally comes off them and goes off into euphoric states and thinks he's the son, he's Jesus reborn or whatever, and <laughs> Yes, it happened. I think that was his last one, um, and or the other one, the very depressive one. The ideas and the concepts and the wisdoms that come out of his mouth are just phenomenal. I mean, they're just something else, right? But unfortunately, he can't function in daily 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 life with that. You know, he he would get in a car. He has a lot of money, so. His cars are really fast <laughs> and um, think that he was above um, like the laws of physics. So go at a hundred miles an hour in a 25 mile zone, stuff like that, you know. So it's, it can be very, very dangerous for them. And I haven't seen any stabilizing uh, method apart from meditation that, you know, when people start to meditate at least two or three hours a day, they they can lower their prescription meds, right? But I haven't seen anybody who's able to come out of them 100%. I think the damage is so great at a, at a physical level that I don't know if it can be reversed. Well, this is, I mean, this is um, so keyed into a number of clients that I'm working with. Um, some of them have not... Um, you know, been not wanted to and not stayed on any medication for longer than a month or two, um, if if even that long after a um, hospitalization experience. Mm-hmm. So what do you recommend for people like that? The ones that are finding me are realizing that they're here to be light workers. Mm-hmm. They don't right. want to be on medication. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, I'm a multiple modality practitioner, and so essential oils and all sorts of different modalities we're we're still not and talk therapy and going into a process we're still not able to find that balance what oh. um what what do you have any other insights just on the the people that you've met or any any ideas right i mean the ones that i was talking about are the extreme cases right that i haven't been able to see that they could make any difference like in practical terms but i have met also many many individuals who were on Prozac who have come off them right or the, the, the antidepressants. And the way that the method that I suggested for them was to start processing their fears, right? Because the depression and, and anxiety, all anxiety disorders are the major causes, um, the, the vibration of fear. So to really gently, go really gentle at it and do it a tiny little step at a time, because when you're in, in pharmaceuticals, the, things can become overwhelming very quickly. Um, to do the fear processing exercise, first of all, and then meditate, yeah, meditate, uh, learn a meditation method and do it every single day. It's, it's, there, there is no happy pill <laughs> in these terms, you know, you have to do the work. But it has improved the mind of one girl who stopped taking 
the antidepressants for the first time in 20 years and hasn't been back on them. He hasn't needed to. She's well recovered. Mm. Oh, that's great. I, I love the success stories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about what planetary body Gaia is going through with all these technologies, you know, things like time travel and teleportation and just, you know, some of the alien technologies that aren't necessarily organic to her? Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what do you think she's going through? And, uh, like, do you see some sort of retaliation or just something on a physical level where the planet is going to do something in order to help her clear herself of all these controls? Or do you <laughs> see just more of a higher vibrational planet where some of these things just fall away? Yeah, you know, when you move into a high vibrational state of being, as Gaia has done, she already is in a higher vibration. And what we see here is just a shadow of the former reality so that we can play out the, the ascension process, right? <laughs> ascension process. Mm. Um, and a division, you know. Um, but those technologies are really not longer necessary. We have, there's recorded cases on religious texts and other texts and also shamanic texts that show that individuals without any technology can move through time space Absolutely. very easily, right? They don't need technology for Yay. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's the same with telepathy. I mean, we're using cell phones nowadays, right? But um, in a, a distant past and not so distant future, we will be able to realign and reconnect our telepathic abilities at a broader level, too, and we won't need cell phones. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) (laughs) This has been um, just just incredible to to have you on and everything that you've shared with us. Um, I know if you could give us... um, your connection points on the internet, your website, how people can find you, and then what you have coming up. Um, I, I do want you to, to share in depth a little bit about um, what all you have on the website and the tremendous tools and resources for people. And then um, in addition to uh, to that, the events that you'll be at um, in the near future. All right. Well, the event that the only event in the physical level that I'm going to be at so far this year is the the, the thing that we're doing at the end of March. So you could give that information out. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. <laughs> All right. And then um, basically the website is ascension101.com, and there is a huge library of information. So use the search capacity there, the keywords that come up, and use it and have a look and see because there's a ton of information there about just about everything that might be able to you you might be able to use it on an everyday life basis. There's also a tool section um and there's meditations there, there's some YouTubes, there's some that things that you can download. Some of them are the full text of the fear processing exercises there. And um a whole bunch of things. There's also an ascension course for individuals who want to really grab all their own personal stuff and become more um, aware of communication with their physical bodies, where mental, emotional, and other bodies as well. Um, that course is there. And um, we have a library of interviews as well and a podcast. Um, yeah, this whole, <laughs> so there's so much in there. I mean, you can spend days going through everything that's in there. Oh, how incredible. Wow. 
So I just have to thank you, Anelia. This has just been incredible. I just so hard expanding. I'm just I just feel such gratitude. I cannot wait to meet you. Thank you so much for this incredible show and for all that you're doing for the collective and for Mother Earth and and uh I really look forward to uh connecting again soon. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, you're welcome, me too. I can't wait to meet you in real life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just such divine perfection and divine timing in um, you entering our experience and us entering yours in such a direct way. It really sets up this uh, cosmic reunion, fourth density, which is in Irvine, California, March 30th and 31st, in such a hugely energetic way. Um, people, just be ready for this for this conference because. Uh, the 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 heart chakra is going to be blasted open and take all the other chakras with it. And so, thank you so much for being our guest uh, tonight. And um, really, uh, such gratitude and appreciation for all you're doing for all of us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you both as well for having me here, inviting me. Thank you so much. Good night. Night. Oh wow! I am telling you this. <laughs> 2003 has really shaped up to be an amazing year for Awaken the Dream Radio, and and tonight's broadcast certainly goes in that category. Yep, it absolutely does. Wow, (laughs) that's great. This is great. (laughs) So just um, to recap a little bit, the next – actually, there is a Universal Love Galactivation this Sunday – in Santa Barbara as a fundraiser for the Lucidity Festival, which is coming up in April. So um, look on um, our pages or contact me for more information if you're going to be around Santa Barbara this coming weekend. But with uh, Laura and Inelia and myself and uh, Peter Sterling, Nora Harold, Barbara Lamb, Cynthia Crawford, um, Robert Perella. We are all going to be then with this whole group of amazing musicians and sound healers and all these incredible people in Irvine, California, March 30th and 31st. And this is Cosmic Reunion, Fourth Density, and it's with uh, Neil and Ilya are just leading the charge on this. And you can get all the information at portaltoascension.org. And uh, we're really excited about this, and it's right here, um, just south of Los Angeles, convenient to everything, going to be a great time. Then, as I said, April 12th to 14th in Santa Barbara, uh, we will be at the Lucidity Festival. And then, um, this this is really something, Free Your Mind 2 in Philadelphia, April 25th to the 27th. Um, quite the lineup, Laura and myself, Alfred Weber, Andrew Bashago, uh, Kathy O'Brien, and Mark Phillips, who, by the way, will be our guests next week on the program, uh, Freighter X, Freeman Fly, uh, Mark Paseo, who was our guest last week. Um, this, this conference is really going to be something, and... Um, just put on by the most amazing people. So uh, that's in Philadelphia in April. And then with the Star Knowledge family, June 14th to the 16th, we'll be in Ogden, Iowa. 
It is going to be um, the Summer Chief Smoke Eagle 2013 gathering and leads into the Sundance. So um, that's going to be big for us. And then August 9th to the 11th, uh, Joshua Tree, California, right outside of uh, Palm Springs, we will be at the Contact in the Desert conference. Um, and then in October, up in Troy, Michigan, we'll be at Awaken Empowered Expo. Uh, lots of things going on. Please take the opportunity to um, uh, repost uh, tonight's broadcast, and it's at the link that you listen to it at. Um, this this is a great one to really enliven people's spirit. Lots of good practical advice, and um, we will look forward to you joining us next week when we have Mark Phillips and. Kathy O'Brien, and in the meantime, just live your fullest from your hearts. Yes, always, and have a wonderful week. We'll, we'll see you next time. It's going to be an amazing show next week. Much love, everyone. Thank you. Good night.